Hello and welcome to the Research Connection Podcast, the show that brings current expertise and cutting-edge research and connects it with users in the community. Okay, so welcome. We're here today with Catherine and Eric. Why don't both of you introduce yourselves? So my name is Catherine Smith. I'm an assistant professor in the Faculty of Education at Brandon University in the Department of Leadership and Educational Administration, and I focus on teacher leadership. And Eric. I'm Eric Sejanis. I am a staff officer with the Manitoba Teacher Society, and my or what one of my portfolios is the teacher-led learning team team leader. I'm Jackie Kirk, and I am the chair of the Department of Leadership and Educational Administration in the Faculty of Education at Brandon University, and co-host of the podcast. Mm. And I'm Michelle Lamb. I'm the director of BU Cares. Cares is the Center for Aboriginal and Rural Education Research. No, <laughs> Education <laughs> Studies. <laughs> We're here today because we want to talk about teacher-led learning teams. And let's just start with the question of what is teacher-led learning teams? So the teacher-led learning team was an innovation that started at the Manitoba Teacher Society in 2015. It was the brainchild of Danielle Fulham Colton, who at the time was a staff officer with Manitoba Teacher Society with the responsibility for professional learning. And she looked at what was existing within MTS services and found that there were some challenges. Um, individual teams were doing presentations, but individual members were developing their own presentations. So there was a lack of consistency. And there was also so not a lot of research embedded into the presentations. And over time, there had been adaptation of a variety of resources that were being used and maybe not fully attributed. So there was a desire to make a much more professional image of the presentations that were being done by the teacher-led learning team, and also to raise the status a little bit. So um, people were required to apply, interview, and be accepted to be on the team. It's still a volunteer commitment. But the prior teams um, had been volunteer commitments as well. And you did have to interview, but somehow the image out there was that anybody could belong. And she wanted to make it a little higher status. And so the vision was that this team would get together and receive training in adult learning, developing workshops, collaborative design, and then design teams would prepare these workshops that would then be delivered out in the field to teacher associations or local schools. And there would be constant cycles of feedback so that they would get together as a team and review the feedback and constantly be critiquing and improving their practice. So the team's been running, started its first year in 2015. People make a two-year commitment and a lot of the team renewed for another two years. And so now we're in year five. And last year, the coordinator was seconded into a new position. And so Eric stepped into the coordinator position with TLLT sometime after Christmas 2019. Okay. And now how big is TLLT? Well, the initial team was, I think, about 18, and now I think it's about 28, something like that. At 24. 24. 24 now. When they first started, there was four teams, four design teams on four different topics that were identified by doing a need survey with member associations around the province. And so those initial teams were classroom management and student engagement, high impact teams, four A's. So that was a social yes. justice one and working with EAs. And do you do that sort of needs assessment every year to determine themes or every two years to determine themes? The, the new themes grow out of requests okay. from the field and feedback. And Eric, you probably have a better idea of how MTS decides on new design teams. Yes, uh, so what it, a lot of it has to do with the feedback 
based on the booking. So for example, for A's, I was lucky that I was part of TLLT when I was a teacher and then I came to MTS and worked here, so I had to step off. But when I applied, 4As was sort of taken off for rewrite. And then because of everything that's happening now, we've decided to bring it back in because of what's happening in the field. But we're going to redo it in a different way. So that's, that's one way we've done that. The new one also of classroom management was the subscription to it or the bookings for it were very low. And we were trying to figure out as a team why it was. And, we, and a lot of the teachers in the field were saying they're looking for more specific strategies. And a lot of it has to do with students who are experiencing trauma. So how do you work with students with that? And that's how we sort of came up with that new workshop on trauma-informed practices. And what happened in between there is that two new workshops were developed, again, because of requests from the field and also because the prior existing teams had covered some areas that weren't being covered. So LGBTQ was the fifth one to be developed and also um, an Aboriginal workshop that was developed. And that one has morphed names a couple times. I'm not sure what it's called now, Eric. (laughs) It's uh, opening the door to reconciliation through story and fact. But those ones were developed after the initial four. Yes. And so was Better Conversation. So FISH came out of high impact teams was doing really well and they and a lot of people wanted sort of the next version or a different 2.0 version so that was developed and that's the same with uh, better conversation so a lot of people had done from the feedback we were getting a lot of people wanted more time to practice so we developed better conversations as the next step the 2.0 to the, that first one so that's how you know what fish the slate keeps growing do you know I do. For? I don't I know. Do. So you better fill me in. So FISH came out of research that was done at the Seattle fish market. And the researchers went in because the fishmongers at the Seattle market were having so much fun in what they were doing during the day. And their work, they work in an environment that smells, it's cold, it's wet, it's not really a fun environment. And so they realized that it was something that was happening within the culture. So then they went in and studied what happened within the culture and they came up with four principles. So they needed to play, they needed to be there, they needed to make their day and they needed to choose their attitude. It has been adapted to FISH for schools. I thought FISH would be an acronym for something, but it's not, it's an actual FISH. It is a real (laughs) thing. One of the things they do is they throw fish across the market to each other and catch them and that draws attention and then people stay because the people working there are having so much fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd heard the original one was that they needed to change their culture and that they did it deliberately, but I'm not sure. Well, that's not what the book says, but I don't know. (laughs) I read the book by the researchers and so, if you want to use the stuff, I've got the kit. So oh, I have great. the video and the fish. And <laughs> Another thing that's grown out of the work with TLLT is requests from the field for training on how to do workshops. So yes. because the TLLT workshops have been so effectively designed and delivered, oh, yeah. they've been requested to do a workshop on how to do workshops. And mm-hmm. so they've also developed that one, which has been mm-hmm. very popular. Yeah, because one of the things that's been very interesting in who's joined TLLT is that over time, there's more and more divisional leaders joining. And when you talk to them, they're looking for the kind of training and leadership that they're not getting in their own associations or their own divisions. So when they come to TLLT, they get training on how to work with adult learners, on how to develop effective presentations, on how to facilitate in a way that honors the wisdom in the room. 
And so they gain those skills and then they apply them. So one of the really interesting things is the way TLLT is impacting PD around the province. Members are being asked to deliver PD in their own schools initially on the topic that they do with TLLT. And then they're asked in their schools to do other topics. And then they're called upon within their division to do their TLLT and then do others. And so it's just spreading to the point where now I have people coming to do their grad seminar presentations, talking about using haiku deck because oh, really? they have learned about it through their colleagues who do TLLT and that's where they get their images for the slides. Yeah. So the ripple effect is really province-wide. It's mm -hmm. been very exciting. Do these teams travel or do teachers go to Winnipeg? Uh, they travel. So this year I've, I've sent a, a team as far north as Gillum. We go all over the place, all over the province. And this is a volunteer commitment. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. I guess nodding. Oh, uh, yeah, we're all nodding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the arrangements are made by the individual teacher, and usually they go in teams. Mm -hmm. And um, that is a big commitment that you need to be away from your family to go and do these workshops. Plus, you have to prepare to, for a substitute to be away from your school. Mm -hmm. So it is a large commitment. And oftentimes, usually they're doing a half-day workshop. And so that other half of the day is compensation for the time you need to do to prepare, reflect, travel, prepare the, you know, return the kit back to MTS, all those mm -hmm. things. So the same people go if it's an LGBTQ workshop? No, there's different design teams. So each one of these workshops has a design team that takes primary responsibility. And then there's other people who cross-pollinate. So they may have worked on that team before, or they may have been on TLLT for so long that they've got the skills and they're able to co-facilitate with somebody else. So there's more people who can facilitate an individual workshop than are on the design team. Yeah. But some people are just on one and some people are on multiple teams. What we're finding is certain years there's uptake for certain workshops and certain years there's not to sort of increase the capacity of the team i had to move some some members out of uh who were like for example that were in high impact teams i put some of them into difficult conversations because that one was getting requested a lot so now they can do both but they can do both workshops so so we can respond to all the requests eric are there challenges moving forward yes um, <laughs> Well, part of it is the demand. Keeping up with the demand is, is probably one of the biggest challenges. This year, right now, we have about 60, and it's just trying to accommodate all those and not turn anybody down because they are teachers in the field, and part of that is they have to do their own training or their own PD within their division, too. So um, sometimes they, they can't go, and, and meeting those requests, that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we're finding because the uptake four bookings has gone up significantly. Last year, I think we had 43, and this year we're at 60 now. That just that's a good problem. It is a very good problem. It's a that's one of the challenges that um, we're trying to sort of uh, mitigate. It's like, do we grow the team bigger? And if you grow the team bigger, then does that lose that like sort of family feel that we've always had? So uh, that's some of the challenges that we have. So yeah, they're not bad problems at all. Challenge and opportunity is that constant renewal and the reflection on our workshops. And how do we make it better or how do we make it more responsive to what's needed in the field? So that's both a challenge and an opportunity, I think. 
Yeah, just to speak to the first challenge about people providing service on PD days with the provincial common PD days, that's become a real challenge because that's when the requests are coming in, but that's when team members are required to be with their divisions. They sometimes are leading within their division or they're required to be there. And so that's a real challenge. I've had people share in their interviews that they didn't get to use all their days and and they were really disappointed because they wanted to be deployed and they are ready to go. And it was a question of the ones that came up, they couldn't be away from their division. Yeah, so Eric was mentioning that he started on the team. I used to be part of the previous versions of teams Mm -hmm. with Manitoba Teachers Society. So when I was in the equality and education team, there was filing cabinets of previous presentations and you had access to those and you would go through and you would create a presentation by pulling different things from previous Mm -hmm. ones. So over the years that became kind of a photocopy illegal thing. We can't be doing that anymore. And, And the presentation was inconsistent and not very professional. But at the time, our team meetings when we got together didn't have this level of skill development in terms of presentation and facilitation skills and this vision that we could develop something centrally that people would be happy to deliver. It was more on the individual presenters and often you had a co-facilitator, but it was up to us as members to create these packages and, and that was a little daunting. Whereas I don't have that feeling with anybody from the team. They feel no. confident, they feel supported, They feel they've got a huge skill set to the point where they're comfortable facilitating even in topics that aren't what they've prepared for. They really feel that they've developed expertise beyond many of their colleagues. Yeah, outside of education, they do a lot of train-the-trainer models. And so they have a package and they train other people to go out and do it, but there's no collaboration with that. So I think that's the difference that we have is it's easy for our facilitators to go out and train other teachers because a they come with their own experience when they in the development but they also share their own stories of what it's like in the field within the particular topic i think the the biggest thing that participants talk about is the impact of those training sessions preparation that they get in those seminars is really challenging it's really hard work it pushes them out of their comfort zone it's it's causing them to develop personally as well as professionally and they feel it's a really safe space in which to do that so in terms of their attitude towards mts as a supporting organization, I think people are just ecstatic. The people who go to workshops are thrilled with the quality of the product and the quality of the facilitation and the fact they can see where their membership dollars are being used. And the people who are on the team feel like they're treated really well. Like one of the quotes from the focus group, when I asked, well, what else could MTS do? And they said, well, hold my hand, rub my shoulders, feed me great. (laughs) Like, They'll talk about the kits that are sent out with them and they'll say, like, everything is in there. The tape I need to put things up, the candies to put on the table, the post-it notes, like everything is there. And so as a teacher, we know a lot of our work is isolating. And this is just incredibly team building. And it gives them a model for what schools can be and what they can do in their own context. And so many of them are doing norm building activities in their context to try and recreate a semblance of what they feel in TLLP. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, so I get a lot of texts and a lot of people talking saying that they can't go to other workshops now because they've been spoiled by TLLT the way that our sessions go. They're so 
they get so bored with the regular sit and get kind of PDs. And they said, TLTs ruined other types of professional development for me because we want it to be more interactive. We could we see the value of understanding adult learning and that 70, 30, you know, the learns principle that we use. So, so that was one of the biggest impacts for them. All right. And how does a school or a teacher, how do they become involved? How do they become involved? We do recruitment around just before spring break, but we also talk about in, in all of our workshops, there's a slide that says who we are and, and that they're all teachers and a lot of interest come from that way. I, I usually get emails or Danielle will get some emails still saying, how do, we, how do I become part of TLT? That's one way. We do an open call for recruitment just before spring break. And it's an application process. So there's questions that they, there's a resume that they send, you are sort of a vetting, and then I go out and I do interviews with them to see who's a good fit for the team and who we can benefit from as a team and, and how are they gonna benefit from us as well are the two things that are big considerations. And the other part is how you book. So teacher associations or local schools can contact MTS. When I was looking at it, one of the principles of professional learning is equity. So equity around the province, this provides it. Somebody in Gillum pays 175 and somebody yes. in St. James School Division down the street from MTS pays 175 And so for northern and rural divisions, that's huge. And that's why we have that booking, that set booking fee for regardless of where you are. And some, sometimes in some workshops they include EAs, but it's primarily designed for teachers. But even on the team, there's like psychologists, counselors, we've had speech pathologists, there's people with masters, people with like high qualifications, and people who've won prime minister teaching awards. Like it's a very high qualified, high performing team. And we also have the perspective of new teachers too, so early career teachers. And, and the one thing that hasn't come up is language. And I know that there is a desire to have more French presentations, but the requests need to come in in French to justify the expense of the translation. Would that be a fair statement, Eric? Yeah, and we've actually grown the team. I think I have at least four, is it four now or more uh, who speak French? So like the, there's a lot of bilingual facilitators now and there is demand, the demand, they are asking for more French. I just really think that it's sort of a gift to the province or a gem that the province has created that we can be really proud of. You know, when I saw our students involved in the TLLT workshops this fall, you could just see the level of engagement that they had, and we're lucky to have them. And from the other end, the team members are so excited to come on campus and work with pre-service teachers because they're so honest and they ask so many questions and they feel so helpful, right? Because they have real fears about classroom management, about moving into classrooms. And these are experienced teachers who say, yeah, I felt that way too, and it's okay. Yeah, and that's key. Well, the, I think that's one of the big keys of TLLT is we have teachers in the field and they have varied experiences. So when they go and they do the workshops, they come with huge credibility because they're not an external person telling them how to do the job, but rather saying, I know exactly what you're saying, and this is how I've dealt with it, or these are some ways that I've been able to sort of mitigate some of those issues when, I, when I'm in the classroom when I'm dealing with students. The other thing I've heard is that members of the team and people in the society are very happy that Danielle requested the evaluation because that again is seeking outside feedback and confirmation to help the team grow. And so the evaluation was after the first two years and it's a process that we'd like to see continuing that uh, research and MTS work together mm -hmm. to 
continually um, compare what's happening in the literature with what's happening with MTS because one informs the other. And also yes. as an outsider to make suggestions of things that might be taken into account by the team. Yes, a lot of the recommendations from the last one and from the last study that you had written and we were able to implement a lot of them and there were certain things in there that we need to go back and consider and see how we can implement those. So that outside view is really, really, really helpful. And I think it adds another layer of credibility too, that it's not just insiders who are saying, this is great, this is awesome, yes. but if there's an outside perspective, it's also affirming the program. That mm -hmm. And then yep. I do workshops and papers on this, so then we get that feedback from the scholarly field as well. Thank you so much for joining us. And Thank you for listening to the Research Connection podcast. You can visit our website for links to everything that was mentioned in the episode and for more Research Connection content at www.brandonu.ca bu-cares. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you can stay up to date with current research that impacts your community. Thank you.